and welcome to episode number 39 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. Two more of those people with me here this week in Adam Candy and Dustin Galker. Guys, we are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify, we're on everywhere that you get your podcast delivered to your ears. So please subscribe, please rate, please review. All of the different things you can do. We do have all five-star reviews except for one one-star review, which I'm very proud of. Dustin, I know you, uh, of all people, probably got a nice little LOL that we do have the one one-star review. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, know, I know who it is. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know who it is, but it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, Adam, I think we probably got the one-star review on one of the days that you were on the podcast, I think. I actually think we got the one star review pretty recently when we kicked Eric Ramsey off and he went <laughs> yeah. in there and got got mad at us. <laughs> Used a fake name, oh, yeah. did the whole yeah, the whole nine yards. I, I'm pretty sure he probably did all that as well. Uh, guys, just a little bit of housekeeping here. We will be introducing a new podcast in a couple of weeks here. This podcast that you are listening to, the lines, will kind of morph a little bit into a podcast that is more focused on Kind of the consumer-facing stuff that's going on, you know, the the big bets, the big wins, the different things that are going on at the various sports books and legal operations across the country, less kind of legislative news and things like that, which will go to a new podcast that we will actually just brand the LSR Legal Sports Report podcast. Dustin, uh, you know, you were kind of a uh, a guiding force behind the the change with the lines and kind of how the editorial focus changed. And as that shifted, it was a little bit after we had started this podcast and basically just the editorial focus of the line has changed. And so we want to make sure that our brands are, are in alignment on the podcast side of things as well. Yeah, probably not, not. Not everybody wants to hear our legislative nonsense, and some people probably just want to hear the sports betting stuff. And you get a little bit of both. Uh, if you right now, if you listen to the podcast, we're going to split it up. Hopefully, we'll, they'll probably be a little shorter, and you can still listen to both. But um, yeah, we'll be doing a little bit more uh, wonky on the LSR one, like we like talk about regulation and what's going on in the industry, and then. Yeah, we're doing the lines a specific one. We'll do more about just the sports betting and what's going on in in markets and and betting. So yeah, so you'll still have time here. The, that'll launch here in a couple of weeks. We will continue to make you aware each and every week for that. But you will have a new podcast to subscribe to. So thank you for doing that in advance. Here, quick hits as normal. We'll talk the Super Bowl. And next week, we will have a big interview that we will have, so uh, be sure and stick around for that as well. But, Dustin, you have been listening. I think Adam has been listening. I think Eric, who's not on the podcast, has been listening. There have been some hearings going on today, but everything uh, we were trying to listen for is about the Wire Act. Yeah, uh, Wire Act has been a major uh, thing going on. If you've been listening to this podcast, we've been talking about it. Uh, we could probably spend a whole segment on it, but we'll try to keep it short today. But the uh, House Judiciary Committee was uh, had the testi- testimony of Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker. And the Wire Act and its uh, application to sports betting and online gambling and lotteries actually came up in this House Judiciary Committee hearing literally minutes before we got on this podcast. And the connection to uh, Las Vegas Sands Chairman uh, Sheldon Adelson came up. And there's been a lot of reporting and a lot of uh, whispering about how uh, how Adelson, who is an opponent of online gambling, has kind of kind of 
threw his weight around to help get, make this happen, and it actually came up in Congress today. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've seen lots of mainstream coverage of it as well. Uh, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and a great story from The Intercept today, all detailing how uh, it seems like how Adelson seemingly, allegedly used his influence to change the Wire Act to to fund to make it apply to all forms of online gambling, which has been one of his pet projects over uh, much of the last decade. Adam, this is one of the things that we follow very, you know, we followed closely for, for several years because this has been a big, big initiative from uh, Sheldon Adelson. And then now we're getting, you know, letters sent from New Jersey and Pennsylvania. We've heard about other states that would be putting out uh, you know, additional letters and, and different requests of, of looking into how this came to be and all things like that. And and as Dustin mentioned, just the mainstream coverage of this, it's kind of one of those things where there's I'm not going to say for sure here, but I mean, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think that as a quick separate note before we go on, as Dustin is calling him Sheldon Adelson, I think we should officially adopt that name on this podcast and stick with it just because he probably doesn't like it very much. And we know that Sheldon is a regular listener. I get, uh, I get, I get, Nova- I get, Nova- I get Nevada versus. No, America. you don't even get to come back no. if you say Nevada. <laughs> You're kicked out permanently if you say Nevada. Uh, to to your point, Matt, it, the the national reporting has sort of picked up on what we've known here in Nevada for quite a while with Sheldon Adelson's campaign against online gambling ostensibly under the pretense of it's going to hurt the children but realistically we know that there's a lot of business involvement for him as well in this the letters that you mentioned from uh signed on to by the new jersey and pennsylvania attorneys general are really really strong and include some very specific uh, asks and freedom of information act requests related to people in sheldon adelson's sphere who might have been involved in influencing the Department of Justice to put out this new opinion on the Wire Act. So it's definitely a get-your-popcorn-out moment when you see what's in that letter and uh, anticipate what could come out of that Freedom of Information Act request. Now, Dustin, this is one of those situations where, as Adam mentioned, it's kind of under the guise of we're going we're gonna to save the children here, but we all <laughs> – you know, believe that this is what he believes a threat to his business. But I mean, I it's kind of crazy that we're this deep into this and we've seen the numbers like we've seen the proof that this does not hurt land based casinos whatsoever. Do you feel like this is just a situation where he's in so deep that it would almost be like a sign of weakness if he backed off of this at this point? Yeah, I mean, he probably still believes it, too. I I think the most disingenuous part, though, is you're right. He he believes it's a threat to his business. But we when when we're talking about this, we don't talk anything about offshore betting or anything that's going on. It's only basically only trying to to stop legal forms of betting. You know, even uh, his uh, casinos in Las Vegas have uh, mobile sports betting through CG technology. So the whole thing is it's weird that we're still doing yeah totally weird that we're still doing this in the year 2019 of our lord that this is going on and uh, i we, we we would like to think that uh cooler has prevail and everybody would realize that we can get on the same page but yeah we're we're so far down the rabbit hole here that it's not it's it's never going to change until you know i'm i'm not wishing this upon anybody but you know it, once he once he passes on i think we'll see less uh, less from las vegas sands on this on this issue Yeah, it just seems like, you know, with everything that that casino, you know, has to offer here in Vegas, it's it's just it's pretty odd that this is the stance they were going to take when they could probably try to use this to 
continue and move forward with the different things that could help help their bottom line, actually, as opposed to hurt their bottom line. So we will see how that certainly goes here. Now, last time we were on this podcast, we were talking about Oscars betting, and then Oscars were not were taken off the board, then Oscars were put back on the board, and then some of the categories were taken off of the board here. Dustin, we are trying to figure out what is going on with this Oscars thing. We haven't gotten a clear answer as to why things were taken down. We can speculate because since we saw some of these smaller categories go away, that maybe some of these sports books or maybe the DGE even went to some of these sports books and said, look, these smaller categories with only a few guys voting on them and whatnot maybe have a chance for some sort of integrity issue. Is that is that kind of where we can at least try and connect the dots here? Uh, I don't even think that because I think at last check, MGM was spreading 23 events for the Oscar. So I've, I still have no clue why. Yeah, when we talked about this, you guys talked about this last time, Oscars betting legal in New Jersey. It came down for off of all the books for some amount of time over the weekend. And then, uh, you know, back up in either a lot, a lot of uh, events were allowed to be bet on or – just one. I think DraftKings is still maybe just best picture right now. So I don't know. But uh, the bottom line is it is still legal to bet on the Oscars right now. And uh, we'll have a lot of coverage of that. I think there's it's, it's an interesting uh, intersection of, hey, we uh, this is something that's never been legally bet on in the United States. Uh, I think there'll be some some mainstream interest in it just from the, the novelty that, you, you know, you can actually do this now when you know people are uh, commonly just picking uh, who's going to win the Oscars at parties at home or in, in office pools or whatever. So anyway, uh, Oscars betting is back in legal in New Jersey. So uh, I don't think it's going to be off the board entirely again. As we sit here recording this podcast, an email comes into my inbox from FanDuel Sportsbook with the subject line and the winner and the award goes to, and it is a pitch for their Oscars betting. It has best picture, best actor, best actress all listed out, and then it says plus 13 other awards to bet on by 2.23 at 8 p.m. So there you have it. They at least are spreading 16 different categories at FanDuel. So, uh Adam, how many of these best picture uh, films have you uh, have you seen? Are you a movie guy? I have seen, I believe, three movies in the past year, and one of them was Vice. And so considering Vice is like the 5,000 to one long shot, I might have to ask New Jersey sources just to be able to get two or three dollars into <laughs> the hell of it. Yeah, uh, Dustin, are you 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 a movie guy? Let's see. There's for best picture. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's eight films that are up for best picture. How many of the eight have you seen? I have only seen Black Panther. Sadly, um, I am not a movie buff like our our coworker Jess Wellman. Um, I, I am excited about the Oscars betting, but yes, I am not uh, some big movie geek like uh, like others in our organization. Yes, me too. I've only seen Black Panther, and that is only because it is uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, I, I have not been to a theater to see a movie in over three years, actually. So. If it's on what? Netflix, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's uh, I know, it's weird. It just, I, I, when what do we want to do tonight comes up, it going to the movies just never comes mm-hmm. up, and so I don't know. I, I, and then with with Netflix now and Hulu and Amazon and everything else, like everything comes to me, and I don't have to go to them, and so yeah, I don't know. It's 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 not something I'm necessarily proud of, but yes, I have seen Black Panther, so I'm just going to go ahead and say that that's the one I'm going to pick to win. Yep, that's because, that, that's the winner. That's because uh, yeah, I've seen yeah, it too. It's, it's, the, it's the only one I've seen. So yeah, we'll go ahead and say that one. Uh, you did mention uh, we did mention this, Adam. One of the things that Jess Wellman, I don't want to spoil anything, we'll certainly have a ton of coverage here, but uh, some of the limits on some of these categories we have found to be uh, rather low in, in this. 
you know, you spoke of your experience at the sports betting national championship mm-hmm. and the can be algorithm that was involved in that. And the, some of the betting limits that were uh, determined algorithmically. And I, I will just say that uh, Jess found that she was unable to bet even $5 on certain things. Uh, and she'll tell you more about that in her coverage, but it certainly was interesting to see just how limited uh, some of these Oscars bets were. And I, I can't imagine what sort of market you're going to have on the long shot films that might draw some interest to say, yeah, I'll throw a little bit down on that. I'll throw 20 bucks on that. You can't even throw 20 bucks on that as way above the limit for some of the, uh, some of the longer shots. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You can definitely tell us the algorithm spitting back at you as well, because it's certainly not a guy sitting there hand grading and saying, no, you can only bet $3 and 88 cents on this. It's like Dustin, we, we saw a couple of different instances where it's like, no, no, you can bet $2 47 cents and a half a cent or something or whatever. Like it, so it's definitely some algorithm that's just like processing their risk and, and where they have like the money going right now. And saying like, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let you uh, bang us for like, you like, you you know, like uh, Adam just said, the the vice is plus five thousand. We're not we're not going to let you bet twenty dollars on that. Not happening. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I guess I I mean I understand where it comes from, the risk management, and then this is what's been done. Uh, but also, like you want to have somebody coming in just for the Oscars, you want them to have a good user experience. Like I like why why don't you just have like low limits and anybody can bet it? Like I, I guess I don't get why you have to have. Four dollars uh, as, as your max bet. Like, <laughs> like uh, if you can't if you can't assume uh, like a fifty dollar bet on Black Panther at whatever it is plus twenty five hundred, make <laughs> maybe reevaluate what you're doing. Like you should just be like this is just a fun thing. It's meant I mean it's meant to get them positive PR. If somebody comes in and gets limited like that, I feel like it's it's not the best experience. Yeah, it's I guess the most most interesting thing to me, and not for us to belabor this whole Oscars betting thing. And again, we are going to have tons of coverage over the next couple of weeks. But uh, it seems like you would almost want the bets to come in on the super long shots because it seems to me, according to what we hear, the the favorites win way more times than not in all of these categories and so it's almost like why wouldn't you want to attract as many 20 and 50 dollar bets on the plus 5,000 as you could because they're they're not going to win they're not going to cash yeah no, i guess it's this year it's i mean who knows on what's what the bookmaking philosophy is but you know just from talking to jess i know it's a little more wide open because uh you know nobody swept all the preceding awards so yeah it's a, a there's a whole lot, whole lot of meta here that I, that I don't understand but uh head to play to usa head to yep. yeah head to our sites over there head to play usa and you'll get breakdowns of of all of that and uh just gets back from new jersey and we're going to shoot some videos with her early next week as well, so you can catch those on uh, PlayUSA YouTube channel as well. All right, Adam, let's talk about some state updates here. We keep going back to D.C. and Virginia, it seems, week after week on this podcast, but things keep happening. Uh, D.C. in particular has become Dos Equis. It is just the most interesting bill in the world. Uh, what goes on with this thing is unbelievable, and what we had this week was coming in front of the full council a bill to bypass competitive bidding on the sports betting contract, which is also in D.C., the lottery contract for Intralot, a Greek company that uh, is operating the D.C. lottery right now, being pushed by Councilman Jack Evans. And there was some pretty interesting debate on this bill. It ended up in its first reading getting a 7-6 approval, which was way closer than we anticipated. I had spoken with one of the council members in D.C. in advance of the vote, and that council member 
only thought that there were about three solid no votes coming on it. So six means that when the bill comes up for a second reading in about a week and a half, there's a reasonable chance that you might see a flip on that and that this bill ultimately wouldn't pass, which would mean that IGT and side games would also have the ability to get in and bid on this. It's not going to become an open market all of a sudden where in DC, everyone can, uh, can come in and apply for a license. They decided on sole source, but who becomes that single operator is still in play. Now in Virginia, We've been hearing all along that there's not really strong odds for Virginia to be passing something this year. However, they did have a gaming bill get out of the Senate this week and just getting off the Senate floor and over to the House was a a bit of an upset. But we're still hearing that it's not likely to come around. That bill in Virginia is wide ranging. And essentially what it would do is set up a study commission that would give nine months for that commission to look at gaming rules and regs and laws from around the country and report back by November, potentially allow for ballot referendums next year. Uh, So don't get your hopes up for anything in terms of gambling in Virginia anytime soon, because even if this passes, we're looking at mid to late 2020 before we even get an approval on anything in Virginia. And the other thing to keep in mind with Virginia, it is a crazy short legislative session. So by the end of this month, we'll know what's going on uh, over in the Commonwealth. Now, Dustin, don't hold me to this, but I believe our good friend Eric Ramsey told us that there are now 71 bills in 27 different states. Now, of course, you can head to Legal Sports Report and we have a tracker on there that you can uh, do this, you know, over and over and over again. However, I think we're at 71 and 27. Is that correct? I think that's the last number Eric told me. Yeah. I, I, I do not follow every single bill, so I am going to trust that Eric is right. I, that might be that trust may be misplaced, but it is a lot of bills in a lot of states. That's for sure. And we just had one pop up in Washington state, correct? Yeah. Washington state where uh, like daily fantasy sports is famously illegal. Online gambling has been under the microscope. So um, mostly tribal casinos uh, are, are the, are the major players up in Washington. So this seems to be like they might be in, in, in the mix. Uh, they might have a chance of passing something. So, yeah, other than like Utah, I think like everybody's looking at it. We even hear chatter of North Carolina is going to introduce a bill, which is one of the last places you expect uh, sports betting to have a, a serious conversation. Yeah. So every again, LegalSportsReport.com and you can take a look at our bill tracker over there. But I think we are at 71 and 27 different states, which is absolutely crazy. One of the states that we have been talked about a couple of different times here over the last couple of months doesn't is Kentucky and now Kentucky is in the news for something other than sports betting. Yeah, I got an online poker bill. We don't see a whole lot of uh, momentum in the in the year of sports betting uh, for online gambling other than uh, Michigan flirting with it at the end of last year earlier this year. Um so yeah, Kentucky you know, who knows? There's a. It's, it's just you can, anybody can introduce a bill. How how likely online poker is? I'm I'm not going to bet on Kentucky actually having an online poker uh, legalized within the next year. But I think it's also funny. This is the the also the state where Poker Stars was being sued for a billion or uh, trying to get their uh, state was trying to get a billion dollars out of uh, Poker Stars uh, in, a, in a court case, <laughs> which uh, I think or just not a few months ago was was thrown was tossed out and, and said is over. So um, yeah, interesting it would be it would be interesting if Poker Stars came back into Kentucky, but uh, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath if you live in Kentucky over there. 
Adam, what we've seen here in Vegas as the spread of sports books in, uh, across the country has happened is, you know, we saw it a lot with DraftKings. DraftKings opened up an office despite the fact not operating here. DraftKings opened up an office in Las Vegas and started plucking off some of the talent from some of the other established sports books here in town. And now we are seeing this happen in Pennsylvania with a longtime big name sportsbook operator uh, heading out uh, east from Las Vegas over here. That is correct. I mean, you mentioned DraftKings to, to start with plucking from from Wynn and Caesars, uh, famously with uh, Johnny Avello. And now one of the old hands, one of the longtime names in Las Vegas bookmaking, Jimmy Vaccaro, heads out to Pittsburgh to Rivers to start up with the operation there. And it's something we'd actually heard about quite a long time ago, months ago, that this news sort of started to leak its way out. But now it's an official deal. And, and you know, one of the things we started looking at really early in the post-PASPA world was what was going to happen in terms of a brain drain in Las Vegas, because we know that the Nevada expertise is going to be in demand throughout the country. And Las Vegas has become a prominent place for that even more so than Europe, because we know that these companies want American based expertise to help them run their books. And I think, you know, we will probably get into this talking a little bit about Super Bowl and how some of the lines were set in different places in Super Bowl and where the wins and losses were. But there's definitely a need for that expertise throughout the country. Yeah, I think what we're going to see here is this is we, we talk about, you know, in, in our business, this is a pretty exciting time to be in the business that we're in with the way that sports betting is going. But if you've been any if you've been around the industry really at all from a bookmaking standpoint, this has got to be a really exciting time for you because odds are your services are going to be needed some way, shape or form in the next three or four years. So if you have run a book in any capacity, really. Uh, you are definitely going to be in demand. Uh, Dustin, I don't I don't think we're going to have to worry about you leaving and going and running a book or anything like that. But I, mean, <laughs> I don't think so. You know, but uh, it certainly seems like, you know, if you've run any of the books here in Vegas and I'm not talking about at a, at a higher level, I'm talking about I'm not talking about like at a VP level or anything like that. I'm saying just if you were a sports book manager in general at any of these books here in town, I would imagine you're at least going to get talked to by somebody in, in the next, you know, two years, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just imagine how many sports books have opened up in the past uh, several, like just since last spring, like there's 25 or so in Mississippi alone. Like if you, if you have some experience in the Nevada booking industry, like you, yeah, you could probably go find a much better job if you're willing to leave the state and go somewhere else. I will say it's interesting on the, on, on the online side of things, it's not really been the case um, I mean, Miami kind of uh, uh, dominates the scene for for mobile betting in Nevada, but they've only so far been involved with one West Virginia sports betting app, uh, not in the not in the uh, New Jersey market at all. And then we'll get to the, ne- the next one, but there's only one other uh, other than MGM. There's not been there's an MGM sports betting app that they've ported over kind of to New Jersey, but that that uh, technology hasn't really ported. That's mostly been coming from from Europe and from from bigger uh, gaming industry, gaming companies around the, around the the U S and Europe. So, yeah. And I think that that's one of the things here that I'm almost most excited about when it comes to the industry, because there was never a need, I think for drastic forms of innovation here in Nevada, because it was only game in town and, you know, some of the apps, I mean, actually not some of the apps, pretty much all the apps here are poor. They are pretty terrible. And, you know, we talked to, to points bet, uh, last week, Dustin, and I mean, their app is fantastic. I mean, that app that they're yeah. that they're using over there in Jersey is is unbelievable. I downloaded it just so that I would be able to look around 
after we had the interview. And I mean, that thing is one of the easiest to navigate, slickest things going. And it just makes you wonder how, uh, you know, how in the world Nevada is so far behind everybody when it comes to this whole app thing. But I mean, it is like you take the worst app in New Jersey and it's probably the best app in Nevada. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. There's, uh, I mean, the MGM one's comparable. It's like, MGM is actually probably a little better in Nevada than New Jersey by my experience, but yeah, like everything in New Jersey and is, is pretty, is pretty solid tech. Uh, you're, if you, if you have, if you were used to having all like you having all the sportsbook apps on your phone in Nevada and you went to New Jersey, you'd be like, what, what have I been missing for, for all these years? It's, it a, it's a totally different experience. It is. It's glorious. It's glorious. Uh, Adam and over in New Jersey, speaking of New Jersey sports betting apps and things that are going on here, the final license has been distributed over in New Jersey. Final license for Meadowlands is out, and I got to be honest, man, this was not the name I expected to see on it. It it is CG Technology that has struck a deal with Meadowlands for mobile and online. They're listing a launch of sometime within the next year. Uh, They're not telling us exactly when, but probably football season would be a safe bet on that. And ultimately, CG was the name we didn't expect, largely because some of the troubles that they've been having in Nevada. I mean, CG was facing license revocation up to a couple of months ago for accepting bets from out of state, for accepting bets on events that had concluded, for a host of problems that were not the first round of problems that they dealt with. I mean, we're looking at this being the third significant Nevada regulatory issue that CG had dealt with in the last five years in the Nevada Gaming Commission rattling sabers about potentially taking their license away. We'd even heard rumors that CG might have to give up its license, and that could be DraftKings' entry point into Nevada. So that's all of what's been out there, and now we're talking about them expanding into the competitive New Jersey market. So good on you, CG. Dustin, we know that in Nevada, CG can't even use their own app anymore. They are using stadium technology as far as their app provider. Do we know, I imagine they're not going to put in a press release that, hey, by the way, we can't even use our own app or anything, but do we know if they're going to be able to use the technology that they were using uh, before in Nevada over there in New Jersey? Or like, how, how is this going to work? I mean, the whole thing is pending regulatory approval, so we don't we don't know that. But I, I can't imagine that this technology that was that Nevada said, yeah, it sucks. You can't use it anymore. Uh, I don't think that's going to fly in New Jersey, which has been pretty robust on what it's what it's done as well. So um, I would imagine the same thing holds that they're going to be using new tech. So um, I, I mean, I wonder what CG is paid. I don't know what the going rate is for these licenses. Um, a lot of those deals are, are not known, other than kind of whispers and back channels. So uh, I, I would imagine this is the last of the licenses available under the Meadowlands. Like you can each each uh, track and casino can can have three skins underneath its uh, underneath its brand. So this is the last one. So I'd imagine they paid a pretty penny to get the market access. And to and to add on to that with Nevada, it wasn't a choice in Nevada. <laughs> Nevada yeah. regulars basically said, yeah, you're going to have to go ahead and change right. your technology here. Yeah, so that is what you get in this very interesting story. It doesn't for for us, you know, geeks that are really embedded in this very interesting story because as Adam mentioned, certainly one of the very last names I would have expected to kind of pop up over there in New Jersey. Uh looking at the Super Bowl, this is one of the one of the 
days, of, one of the weeks of the year where we reflect on kind of the, the real hardcore numbers here and how things look because we all had these predictions and we all had what we thought was going to happen and it really didn't go necessarily as we thought here. Nevada, for example, their handle was down. Now their hold was better. There was a lot of things that kind of broke their way for sure, but uh, Dustin, when we look at this, what do we think about the Nevada handle in general? And what do you, what signs do you think kind of point to it being down a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of different reasons given for it, but in the end we could be just reaching a mature market without, um, a change in the, in, the, in how things go down. Like, uh, mobile betting has been around for what? I think it's like 2011, 2012 was the first time. Maybe. Uh, I don't know if you remember that map, but it's been around for a while and it's, you know, everybody now has an app. MGM and Caesars are the late adapters. So there's there's just a point at which there's not room for growth, I think, short of having easier ways to get people to allow people to bet. So uh, the state's been looking at the possibility of remote registration right now. You have to go to actually go to a physical book to sign up. I think uh, I, I think given the numbers and the, maybe a lack of growth, I think we might I, I'd say that's a convincing argument to to add it. Um, and you know what, what? What other things I I know know we see lots of uh, anecdotal stuff. You know I think I think Patriots fatigue was a, was a big part of it. Like uh, I think we saw several bookmakers say that people just can't bring themselves to bet on the Pats anymore. And there's was like it wasn't a super compelling. Uh, Super Bowl for anyone. I think any of the other combinations of teams had they happened would have been more interesting. Chiefs and Saints in there. Obviously, I think we would be talking about record handle rather than a slight downtick in Nevada. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you, I don't think I'm not reading into a, a decrease in handle at the end of the world, but uh, it's obviously not not as good as growth. Yeah, and one of the things I think to point out as well is when there's such a low-scoring game like there was, that also definitely slows down the in-game wagering as well right. because, you know, the lines aren't changing near as often. There's certainly not near as many things that you can bet on whenever, you know, the line continues to stay stagnant, whenever the score continues to stay stagnant the way that it did for so long. And, and so when people are able to not able to put in as much money as they want to while the game is actually being played that certainly can be it as well now adam we had a guess as to how the new jersey handle would look and it it was it, we, we we predicted much much higher than where new jersey came in new jersey's numbers are just strange compared to what we've seen from the market over the first six months so ultimately, we look at New Jersey handle being just under 35 million. Uh, I think it was fair to expect at least that number jump around 50, at least considering the, the prevalence of mobile. But Dustin mentioned Patriots fatigue. There's obviously no real attachment to the Rams. You took the words out of my mouth in terms of in play, because once you had watched the field goal fest of the first half, you might never have come back for the second <laughs> half. So yeah, and and ultimately, not only was it an underwhelming handle, but we look at a huge loss, a four and a half million loss on thirty five million handle for the books in New Jersey. Uh, you know, anecdotally, what we know from FanDuel and DraftKings is they account for about half of that, about a million loss for both of them. Not sure if there was a lot of uh, Patriots money in specific that ended up there, but we can tell you that on Thursday, for example. FanDuel had 90% exposure on the Patriots. So, you know, we know that they obviously were a little more 
uh, in trouble with a Patriots victory and cover than the books in Nevada were, and that bore out in the numbers. Yeah, it was a weird situation with the way that things kind of played out with the Super Bowl because I, I basically every bookmaker I talked to expected Rams money to roll in and. You know, outside of a few really giant bets that actually came in in Nevada that didn't come in in Jersey or Mississippi or Pennsylvania or anything like that were, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a, a onslaught of money coming in on the Patriots side of things here. Dustin, just to kind of round out of what we know from these states with legal betting, the, the number in Mississippi was actually just was microscopic. Yeah, I believe that one was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, it was like four and a half million in handle, um, which is, yeah. yeah, considering there's... Four and a half was the number. Yep. Yeah, considering the fact that, like I said, earlier in the podcast, there's like 25 some sports books. That's like, that's not very much betting in any of those. Again, no online betting there. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of wild. Uh, I think you attribute that, some of that to, there's a lot of Saints fans uh, in in the area. So that might that might have contributed to it as well. Yeah, there was, I mean, it, it was pretty crazy because th- th- that these people... People talked about for two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl that they were going to protest the Super Bowl. And I kind of like laughed and said, ha ha. Uh, yeah, that's funny. They're going to protest the Super Bowl. Then New Orleans, which is just a football crazy town, just absolutely massive. It is despite the size of the city is actually has been in the top seven as far as markets for the Super Bowl in over the past five years because they just, you know, they love football there. It's just so, so massive. And the viewership for this Super Bowl was was about half of what it was over uh, two years ago and about 40 percent down from what it was last year. And these crazy people down there actually protested the friggin Super Bowl, which is just unbelievable. I mean, the rating was a 26.1 from being a 44.7 the year uh, one year ago and a 51 the year before that. So just unbelievably, unbelievably crazy that these that this city really did protest the Super Bowl. And I do believe that that had something to do with what was going on there in Mississippi because they weren't excited about the Super Bowl. And if they weren't excited about the Super Bowl, then they're not going to get in their car and drive over to Biloxi to go, you know, spend the weekend or just drive over there to place a bet or whatever it might be. And so I certainly think that uh, a, a lot of their their craziness played into that Mississippi handle down there. You know, you know, you know who is excited to bet on the Super Bowl was was Rhode Island. They they have uh, I don't know what the population breakdown between Mississippi and Rhode Island is, but there is six point five million bet in Rhode Island. Not shockingly, because the Patriots are there, people just wanted to bet on the Patriots. Uh, first time to have a, uh, be able to legally bet if you're a Pats fan and you didn't go to Nevada. So that was a, a big thing. And uh, they, all, they t- again, took a huge hit. The William Hill does the risk over there. I think I think we saw 2.5 million uh, in losses on the game uh, in Rhode Island, which which is also crazy. But um, I think that's uh, that's we, we've expected to see more of this regional bias. And I think that's the first time we saw a really big example of it. Yeah, and keep in mind that that one of the books, uh, one of the Twin River books in Rhode Island is roughly an hour from Boston. So, yeah, yeah you, you have proximity factoring in heavily there. And Adam, I think what we learned from these numbers as well, and we do expect that there will be a time that Nevada will be unseated as the you know, the leader when it comes to handle for sports betting. I mean, it's just inevitable whenever you consider that these the, the way that these states in uh, the size of some of these states that are going to be coming online here and legal. However, I think what we can kind of pull from this is 
it is an experience in Las Vegas that you're not going to get anywhere else that is unique to Las Vegas for for the rest of the world. And I don't think as far as big events, when we're talking Super Bowl, March Madness and things like that, that that we're going to be seeing Vegas numbers really take some sort of nosedive or anything like that, because when you when you kind of look at it. It's a thing where a whole bunch of friends get together. They fly out here. It's a whole bunch of buddies from high school that have been doing it every single year for the last decade that come out here. It is the fact that you can walk. You know, that's another thing that you can literally on foot walk into a dozen different casinos and a dozen different sports books if you want to and, and things which, again, is not really a, a thing that you can do in a lot of these places where there is legality. So I think that the... I think we can pump the brakes here at least for the next several years on worrying whether Nevada is going to just kind of fall off as this destination for 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 big events and sports betting. So PASPA fell in May, and by June we had legal sports betting in the United States. Now we have eight states. In 2018, Nevada ended up over $5 billion in handle. That's a record. Ended up at more than $300 million in hold, also a record. So that for the year speaks very highly of Nevada. Now down to the micro level where you're talking about the Super Bowl, I think it's important to remember what we talk about all the time. Sports betting is an amenity. It is one amenity that is being offered. And so when you look at the Vegas experience overall, it's just part of what's here as opposed to when it's looked at in other states it sometimes is the only thing. I mean, in some of these little sports books that we've seen pop up inside casinos, it's not to drag anybody in particular, but I mean, some of them look like doctors waiting offices, you know, like really you're not getting much of an experience from going and placing a bet there. So I think that you look at bigger States, right? You look at what happens in New York. You look at if, if, if California ever solved its massively thorny tribal issues and came online like those are things that could affect Nevada. Now, you guys brought up earlier what the other thing that's going to affect uh, Super Bowl and other things going forward for Nevada as well is mobile. And how does Nevada make its adjustments going forward? Because really, that's the biggest thing that Nevada can do to keep up. Uh, Dustin mentioned remote registration. Nevada regulators just turned that down recently. And maybe that will come up again. That's another thing that could happen. Quality of apps could improve. So there are ways Nevada can keep up even as the competition continues to stiffen from other places. Yeah, Dustin, so, uh, you know, I, I, like, as he mentioned, so New York, obviously, a, a just a, a massive, massive state, so many people. However, I do think that when we consider all things here, you know, yeah, they're if they're able to finally have mobile where you can do it, you know, anywhere, sitting in your living room in Manhattan or something, but we're, where, we at, where we're at right now and you're only going to be able to to bet should this go down in the physical casinos that we've mentioned are kind of in remote parts of the state and you things like that. I just feel like when we look at this, maybe in 10 years, there will be some sort of shift for whenever these places have a chance to build out these robust kind of sportsbook facilities and, and things like that. But when you're coming for you know, with a group of your buddies and you want to be here and you want to kind of like be able to take everything in as Adam alluded to. Yeah. You, you have the big, nice sports book, which is awesome for when you're wanting to watch the game and you have all the Super Bowl parties that are going on for when you want to watch the game. But you know, you're, 
you're here for three days. So that's that's only five, five hours of your time. So it, the allure to Vegas kind of like for that whole weekend type situation. I don't know. I just don't know if that's ever really going to go away because there's just so much to offer outside of just the just March Madness, just Super Bowl, just whatever it might be your reason for coming to Vegas. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see – I mean, you'll see some of it, some more visitation for sure to Atlantic City and to, like I said, up, upstate New York casinos and anywhere that has sports betting. It's going to help. But I agree. You're saying, oh, man, I want to have a trip and I want to watch the Super Bowl. I want to bet on it. Are you, yeah, trekking upstate New York or would you rather go to Vegas and do everything else that's that's a, that's along there? I think that's a uh, – that's gonna that choice is continue going to continue to be made uh, – in favor of Vegas. Uh, and it's just, the, it's the same thing with every casino. Like you go, you, you can go to casinos, but people still just travel to Vegas because of everything else that you can do there. So I agree. We're not, uh, there's been a lot of, of chatter in the last, yeah, since PASPA has fallen that, that Vegas would eventually be kind of not as exciting for a sports betting destination. I tell you, I've been, you go to the first weekend of March Madness. You guys both know that it's crazy there. It's like, uh, it's, I don't feel like that's going to change. And let's continue to drag upstate New York with no Brett and Eric on this podcast. <laughs> we can just take shot after shot at upstate New York and say, no one's going there. Eric's getting a golden corral. Uh, maybe they'll have a sports he is. book. He is. He is getting a golden corral up there where he lives. So, I mean, listen, things are looking up for, for old Mr. <laughs> Ramsey. Let me tell you. Um, and we don't have numbers for Pennsylvania yet, correct? If they have, if they've been released, I haven't seen them. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I they're just giving them out. Yet. I think there was an automatic that everybody was going to give us Super Bowl numbers. Right. Like Nevada always did it, and then like oh, all of a sudden, all these other states were doing it too. So, uh, you know, I think the, uh, go back to one last time on the on the projections. Like we were saying, I was saying 100 million. I thought that was a pretty good uh, in New Jersey. I thought that was a pretty good prediction because based on Nevada, we had seen. 30 to 40 percent of handle in February is usually on the Super Bowl, and that's clearly not going to be the case. It's just uh, to to wrap all this in a bow. New Jersey is not going to be an events based uh, kind of market for sports betting. Obviously, there's more betting on the Super Bowl than any other regular event, but it's just not going to be the same as Nevada. And to put a bow on this episode here, we talked about some of the crazy prop bets that were going to be offered. And it seems like, Adam, if if you follow the same people on the Twitter machine that I do, and I, I know that you do, it seems like everything kind of went off without a hitch. Of course, we were kind of worried that some of these weirdly worded prop bets and kind of like left to interpretation prop bets might cause some problems here. But it seems like we got through at least this Super Bowl without any sort of controversy now. I don't know for sure what we can expect in the future because, you know, if anything, we've seen that these people are willing to take a little bit of risk. So maybe we see even more crazy prop bets pop pop up next year. But at least for 2019, it seems like we got through unscathed. If this isn't the ultimate case for legal regulated markets, I don't know what is because the offshores were where you found the significantly weird and impossible to grade wagers, whereas we know that the Nevada and New Jersey regulators in particular are keeping a very close eye on you know what's offered and how it can be graded. And you know, the people listening to this podcast are insiders enough that I don't need to explain how that all works. But yeah, it seemed like other than a little chatter about Gladys Knight and what words does she say and how does she say them and, and so on, that was really the only thing we heard, which considering the massive amount of prop bets that was on the board, I, I think that's a victory overall. 
Dustin, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't see anything in, in my feed. I was monitoring pretty hard because I just wanted to see if there was anything that people were going to lose their mind about. And I, I didn't see anything. So, you know, I guess this is all a good thing because we certainly don't want anyone to fail here. But I also don't want this to be like a false sense of confidence here for some of these guys to introduce even more weird things in the, in the future. I don't know. It just seems like you're leaving yourself open for, for a giant headache. Yeah, I mean, BetStars and the, uh, what was it, the touchdown, first touchdown celebration was one we kind of had our eyes on it. None of the things that happened uh, were that were, that they had booked, like uh, it was like 15-some options, I think, none of those things happened, so they just refunded the bets, which is great. That's fine. If, yeah. Like if, if one of those things or two of those things had happened somehow in parallel, then we're getting messy. Uh, <laughs> I don't like who knows what they do. But um, but, you know, we're all, we're on the next thing. DraftKings is booking the slam dunk competition and we're clearly going to see more of this kind of stuff. Um, uh, is there there's a chance at some point that it becomes messy if somebody doesn't create something a certain way or uh, people don't like it or like bets aren't paid out like bet stars did on on that so uh i, I don't th- we're not out of the woods but it was at least a good trial run for all this uh this all this prop betting that never happened in nevada not that anyone cares about my opinion here but i'm not a huge fan of these kind of subjective things being open for betting markets i mean it, it seems to me Uh, You know, I can see this making its way to one of the judges. And Adam, tell me you can't see this happening. This would be it it makes its way to the judges as to who a favorite is or whoever, whatever, something like that. And then we see this weird like three, like the guy puts up a three on a dunk that that everybody gave a nine or a ten. And then someone asks him, why in the world did you put up a three? And he goes, I'm not going to let people win money on a Chicago bull or something, or I'm no way I'm going to support a, an LA Laker you know, or something like that. And then things go to hell. And I don't know, just, it, he thinks he's being funny. He thinks it's like a situation like, ha ha, I'm not going to let people win money on this, uh, on this guy that played for a team that was a rival when I used to play, but you know, it, it actually has real consequences and real outcomes here. So I, you know, I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of, of these subjective betting markets. No, I'm in 100% agreement with you, especially as to uh, the slam dunk contest, which gets treated as a novelty in the first place. And so if you're going to book the slam dunk contest, you're putting out there the idea that, you know, I'm going to say you know, Baron Davis is judging and decides that he's going to have some fun with it. And he's going to build his brand by getting a story out there about him inserting himself into the, into the betting market. And this is a, like you said, it's a funny ha ha thing, but opponents of legal online gambling are going to seize on that and turn it into something that it's not very, very quickly. So, uh, you know, we saw the Oscars bets come on and off the board and on and off the board. I'm way more worried about the slam dunk contest and what that means than I am about the Oscars. Yeah, it's just a a slippery slope here. So listen, I mean, try things out. That's cool. But, you know, keep the keep the bets low. Let's uh, let's not let's not turn this into something that can be scrutinized yeah. like for, we, for no reason. And we care about like moving the you know the big markets everything. I don't I really don't care if all this stuff stays offshore. I mean if people if people want to do it and it's it's harmless like you said low limits great. But uh, like the the big focus here is moving the major markets and 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 real game betting and all that. The rest of the stuff if it stayed offshore, uh, who cares. As usual, guys, we are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify. We really, really appreciate your five-star reviews and everything like that helps us get out to more people and certainly helps us climb the charts, makes people, it makes it easier to find as well through these different little algorithms that they run. So thanks for your subscription, thanks for your reviews and everything. We certainly read them and take them to heart. 
Dustin, if they want to find you on the Twitter machine, where can they do that? Dustin, G-O-U-K-E-R on Twitter. Mr. Candy. Adam Candy, two E's instead of a Y. And as always, you can find everything in-depth that we talk about on this podcast at Legal Sports Report, at Online Poker Report, at Play USA, and across our various gigantic network of sites that we have. Guys, thanks for being here. We'll be back at you next week. 